Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey everybody, Mansip Khan here, and you are tuning into the NCFA's newest podcast series, FinTech Fridays. And today I have an amazing, amazing guest, super talented. She's on, she's a board member of probably every investment venture you can think of, any amazing startup organization you can think of. She's actually a board member of the NCFA, believe it or not. I'm sitting down with the incredibly Peggy Van Van D. Plaché. Peggy, thank you so much for making it here. Thank you very much. To give you a little bit more context, both me and Peggy are sick. So if we do sound a little distorted, <laughs> uh, please, please bear with us. <laughs> we both have our teas, we both have our waters, we both have tissue boxes, so we should be. Okay, so Peggy, could you for, I guess just a minute, give a brief introduction of who you are, where your background's from, and your role in the financial tech Community. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mansib, and uh, I hope uh, my accent and my call will be uh, will be still uh, easy for people to to understand me. So, uh, as I'm sure you can hear to my accent, I'm I'm from France originally. I uh, I moved to Canada 15 years ago. I live in Toronto. Was in uh, Montreal for many years before that. And uh, well, I'm a finance person by trade. I fell in technology uh, 12 years ago. So I, I became fintech uh, even before fintech uh, really existed and was cool. And uh, I've been unbelievably lucky with my career because um, I've been, uh, I've been, and I am actually uh, an investor an entrepreneur, a corporate as well. So it really allowed me to see, uh, I would say, the the interesting challenges coming uh, in in fintech from every seat at the table. And uh, and right now, actually, I'm I'm raising my first fund uh, for Raw Ventures. And uh, we are investing in early stage uh, data and AI uh, startups that focus for financial services industry. And there is, I would say, a little twist to that is that we have a, a gender diversity overlay. Uh, we are looking at companies that have co-founders, management team, board members that uh, that are female. I would say um, founders, male founders who, uh, who are very supportive and active in the gender diversity space. So uh, I think I did my minute and I hope uh, I hope it was clear enough, Mansim. Yeah, no, that was that was amazing. So you do come from, as as you mentioned, you do come from the banking space. Um, could you, I guess, talk a little bit more about that transition from being a part of CIBC, being a part of BMO, and then transitioning and starting your own venture? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, I, I've done that twice, actually. So I, I went from BMO, uh, like maybe six, seven years ago now, uh, to a more entrepreneurial uh, background. I was working for a very wealthy tech entrepreneurs, and I was started companies for, for him and managing his family office. So that was really my first real brush with uh, entrepreneurship. Um, the thing that I thought extremely funny at the time is that, oh my God, I have no meetings. Uh, because uh, coming from BMO and any large banks, you, you're always uh, doing meetings. So that was uh, definitely a feeling of freedom that I could uh, manage my time the way I wanted. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, like obviously you, you, you have the puck stop where you are, you know, so it's, uh, you don't have the support of a large organization. Um, in one end, you remove a lot of annoyance coming from a large organization, but on the other end, you don't have the processes, you don't have the rigor. Uh, that comes with a large organization as well. So uh, actually leaving uh, a large organization is also what made me uh, the first time really appreciate uh, some uh, some of the things that were that were coming with uh, with a large organizations, but also the opportunity to write my own story is something that you know beside being an entrepreneur, you cannot really do that. I would say ever uh, in in a large corporation, banking or not, actually. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's a, it's very difficult to, um, especially be, uh, being in a part of a huge organization. I guess like the banking system is very hard to, I guess, be a little bit more entrepreneurial and just have a little bit more freedom, be a little bit more creative when it comes to your ideas and your ambitions and your goals, right? Yeah, and you know, it, it comes back to diversity. It's uh, diversity of thoughts, diversity of background. You know, like if, if, if you look at the banking industry, it's still very, very homogeneous in Canada. And uh, it makes obviously things way more difficult than they should be um, by having a system that is not very prone <laughs> to thinking and doing things differently. What made you want to start Roar Ventures? And I guess what makes... In your eyes, what makes Roar Ventures stand out compared to the other, um, I guess, VC funds? Yeah, well, and I guess it's, it's probably the, the same answer to, to both of your questions. Mm-hmm. I, I, I started Roar because I, uh, uh, first, obviously, I had this entrepreneurial bug in me, so that's uh, definitely something. But also, mm-hmm. I saw a bit of a, of, of a white space in the way uh, most VC operate. So I would say the first thing, one of the challenge I have is that we're actually not really data driven. So I'm not sure we're always optimizing our returns financially. Um, but also the fact that we're very, very prone to say it's an art rather than a science. Uh, this allows for a lot, a lot of bias in the way you're funding uh, your entrepreneur. So as you know, uh, you know, women, uh, diverse uh, people with a diverse uh, cultural backgrounds are way less funded uh, than the traditional, uh, I would say, uh, male type entrepreneur that, that, that we have in North America. So uh, so for me, again, one of the things that was very important uh, with, with my venture was this opportunity to use data, uh, not only to be better in my returns, but actually to remove a lot of beer uh, in, uh, in the industry. Um, and I would say the last thing is really linked with, with my profile of the fact that not only I'm an investor, but I'm also an operator, but I also understand corporate. Uh, and you really need that to be able to help uh, your entrepreneurs grow and be successful. Uh, the international angle is very important to me. So that's also something as I'm speaking with LP, I'm really making sure I have a, a healthy mix of international LP that will be able to help my portfolio company grow. So I would say I, I didn't really look at me when I decided to to, to, to start war. I, I more looked at, okay, what are all the white space I see, uh, I see in the industry that I will be able to uh, hopefully fill in with, uh, with uh, that new ventures. That's incredible because I think that's, that's the one important thing that I guess a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people are drawn to entrepreneurship, right? They see a white space, they see a problem, 
that needs to be solved. And I guess in your case would be the lack of diversity, lack of just underrepresentation in certain sectors. And you just, hey, I have the experience, I have the talent, I have the drive, and I have the operational know-how to build something that helps fill these amazing white spaces with the incredibly talented people that are under, um, I guess, Roar Ventures, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really this idea of uh, doing good while doing well. So it's super tough, super, yeah. super tough. Yeah, so so I do I do sincerely believe that uh, uh, the VC industry and the investment industry in general, it's not just VC, PE is, is, is the same, uh, has a huge role to play. Uh, but also in Canada, in order to really make our country grow, you know, like, you know, we're still very much resource-based. When I speak with international investors, a lot of them don't know Canada. They don't know what we're doing in AI. They don't know we're great with startups. And, uh, and, and I mean, VC has, has a part to play to make sure that uh, we're building uh, the future for all Canadians with high-paying and sustainable uh, jobs. What would be your thesis to be great? So when you have entrepreneurs that are either trying to become a part that, that you are either vetting for Roar Ventures or be it at any of, of the other um, organizations you're part of, I guess, what would be your thesis or what are you looking for in an entrepreneur to take them on? Yeah. So, so you know, uh, we, we, we spoke about diversity. That's something that for me is very, very important. Someone who really understands and values diversity, not because it's fashionable, but because it brings value, you know, like you get out of your good art. <laughs> it's uh, the, the rational uh, thing to do. So that's, I would say, the first thing. Uh, the second thing is um, uh, obviously uh, an approach that is very collaborative and uh, uh, again, the goal for me when I invest in, a, in, in an entrepreneur is, is to let him, you know, <laughs> do his job. Is is the one who's the best uh, uh, position to, to lead his organization. But uh, if I can help, I'll be happy to do that. And uh, that's really something that is important. Is set, you know, this two-way conversation where uh, you can have someone bouncing back the good, the bad, and the ugly with you, uh, and uh, and being able to help. Uh, in order for them to be very successful. And, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, people have a bit of insecurities, which don't always make them, uh, you know, welcoming help. And I think that's, uh, that's unfortunately, uh, uh, not, not good for, for the growth of a, of a company. So uh, collaboration, very important for me. And I would say the third thing is really ambition. Uh, and, and ambition, global ambition, very, very important for me. I really want people to look at that. And, uh, you know, I do believe Canada should become what uh, Israel is to cybersecurity, but for AI. So for me, having entrepreneurs who really believe that they can grow uh, above and beyond North America is very, very key for me. So everybody, you heard it here first. Canada is going to become the is- Israel of AI. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for that day to, to Working happen. on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Well, we have amazing people like you and just incredibly talented people in the space to make that, to make that reality. Right. So it's, it's a matter of time in my, in my perspective, really. 
Well, yes, it is, but at the same time, there is also a bit of an urgency here, you know, like we, we, we've been in Canada extremely, extremely uh, well positioned with AI. We're still very well positioned with AI, but obviously the US, China, you know, they're not really standing still either. Uh, and, and, and as I speak with a lot of international um, potential investors, literally in China, Europe, South America, uh, even in the US, People don't know enough how great we are, and you know, like it's 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 nice to be nice, but you know, I think now is the time to really be a, a, a bit more assertive on how amazing we are. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I think uh, the world has a, I guess, a misunderstanding of how incredible Canadians are because we are just seen as just very nice, very polite people that either live in igloos and drink maple syrup, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Aside from gender diversity being open to, I guess, advice and having a willing to change and looking globally, what else is a part of, I guess, your vetting process when it, when it, when it comes to a founder? Yeah, well, you know, I would say the, the, the vetting process is, uh, is, is is probably very similar to what you see with a lot of VCs. Obviously, I really like serial entrepreneurs. That's that's obvious because uh, these are people who, who know what they're doing. Uh, you want to have, uh, I would say, a technology edge with whether you have a special patent, whether you have a special set of data, a special algorithm uh, that, that's going to give you uh, that's going to give you an edge. Very important. What is your value prop? As you know, with data and AI, uh, we are just scratching the surface of uh, the use cases. So very important to know. Okay, what are the use cases you're you're, you're starting with in the, in the financial services industry? Uh, the fact that uh, I and some of my advisors are from or ex of the corporate world, we can definitely help vet a lot of use cases because uh, I've seen in the past many times the great ideas, but when you really know the corporate world, you know that you're never going to be able to sell because it might be definitely a white space for a bank or an insurance, but that might be also so risky for them that they will never touch that with a 10-foot pole. So um, so it's, it's, it's very important to see what are the use cases uh, that uh, that the organization is, is going for. And, and I would say the, the, the last thing uh, which is very important for me in terms of due diligence is the fact that, once again, I really, really want to bring not only data but also standardization so I, I really want to make sure that the way we do our due diligence is the same regardless of the people we're speaking with and what I mean is that sometimes we get very excited by a good salesperson and a great salesperson doesn't mean that he or she is going to be the best operator um, but at the same time the challenge is that if you tend to look uh, at people who might be similar than you, which is by default what we all do, uh, you're going to irrationally uh, um, increase the number of points you might give someone who, uh, who look like you or think like you. Uh, and, and that's something I really, really want to make sure I'm removing as much as possible from, uh, from my vetting process. So I guess the standardization, the founder themselves, and I guess the VC deploy a little bit more self-awareness and understanding, okay, hey, I'm an amazing salesperson. I'm going to focus on sales. 
I'm going to have to tag on a co-founder that can be a little bit more on the operational side of it, right? Yeah, and, and what I mean by that is that uh, when, when an entrepreneur comes to a VC and he or she is an incredible salesperson, meaning, I don't know, a showman, a showwoman, uh, some, sometimes for an investor, it's difficult to stick to the script. They fall in love with a person, they fall, you know. So, so what I mean by standardization is making sure that you're not skipping 12 questions that might be a bit hard because oh my god you love that guy so much and you really want to be close to him or uh, her okay. you know okay okay yeah so it's a lot like a first date right you don't want to like you still want to you still want to make sure you vet them right you don't want to make sure you're exactly. on the same page and everything oh, okay perfect and i got it you know what's interesting is that uh, so hbas did a study maybe six nine months ago and they were showing uh why mainly women entrepreneurs get uh, less funding than men and uh they, they did a lot a lot of um analysis on on uh interviews from vcs to to entrepreneurs and what they noticed is that when the entrepreneur is a female, two-thirds of the questions asked by the VCs are actually prevention-focused. So, how low can you go? How are you going to mitigate the risk? And that type of question. When it's a male, two-thirds of the questions are promotion-focused. So, how big can you be? Uh, how, uh, how fast are you going to be able to go in another geography? So, so that was actually really the base of why a woman gets way less funding than men. It wasn't anything else. So having a script remove that tendency that we all have due to social conditioning. I'm not saying anyone is mean or whatever. Uh, to ask certain certain type of question to certain type of people. That's why we have programs like the female founders, like out of the DMZ, and these accelerators are starting to have a little bit better of a diverse diverse programs to have a little bit more inclusion, and I guess to make these female founders a lot more, I guess, bulletproof when it comes to when it comes to p- pitching VCs and to help destigmatize the entire. I guess, scope when it comes to when, when VCs and investors think of entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's the type of uh, a process that needs to change at every level because I hear you in the, the concept of saying, okay, you want your female founders to be bulletproof, but why would they have to be more bulletproof than a man because they know that ah, shit, okay. you know, like, yeah. <laughs> rather them get less shit <laughs> so you know it's 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 it, you really need to work at every every layer but but you're totally right because things won't change overnight you still need <laughs> to uh, to have female expecting that type of question so some advice i was giving recently to uh, to female founders was okay act like a politician you know if you're asked uh, another prevention type question answer your own version of that question that is going to be promotion based it's it's a way to deal with that programs like female founders and she and she are i mean hopefully we can have more programs like this to like help make diversity a little bit more in a sense palatable yeah and and you know i've been i've been very fortunate because i've been working or collaborating in the in the gender diversity space for like the last 
10 to 12 years before it was topical. So I've seen now what works, what doesn't work. So in a big corporation, the most impactful uh, change you can make is to your hiring process. You know, it has been it has been assessed. So a lot of organizations. So when I was at CIBC, I was I was leading the, the, the diversity uh, the diversity committee. But uh, it, it is shown that you know organizing events, organizing things that might be a bit softer don't really make any change. So I'm I'm very bottom line focused personally. So I always go for okay, what's going to be the best ROI? So for example again at a corporate it's going to be hiring um, if I look at programs to your point that that will be impactful in the in the gender diversity space uh, I'm on the board of this uh, amazing non-profit that was launched by uh, Ray Sharma from Extreme Venture and uh, what uh, Akargal does is organize hackathons for middle school girls just before they select their elective so they get more comfortable with technology and they get more comfortable with picking computer science when they're very young. Because everything we're doing right now in the gender diversity space for uh, adults, women is great, uh, but we also need to work at uh, the uh, at the root, uh, at the root of the problem. So having more women in STEM, for example, is a very good way to, uh, to make these changes. So, um, I like to work, I would say, on, uh, shorter term and longer term initiative to really make, make an impact. Any program I could get my little sister to more to computers <laughs> is more than, more than welcome, really. Let's, <laughs> yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you want, it's 50% of the population. It's good for everyone to have, more educated uh, people, women, women or not, and, and at the end of the day, but, uh, and we're going to go in fields that's going to create value uh, for themselves, for their family, but also for the country. So it, it's just a win-win-win. It's just a smart thing to do, you know. Just to wrap this up, what would be your advice, if not golden nuggets, that's, yeah. that you've held very close to the chest? Yeah, I think there are, there are maybe two that are, that are linked. One, one is really, and they might be cliche, I'm sorry, but one is dream big, you know, like unfortunately, uh, we, we, we are uh, constantly put in a situation where people are trying to make us play small because it scares everyone when uh, we're, we're playing big, but you really, really want to make sure you're, you're dreaming big. And, you know, for me, it's very much, I, I have this lithium test, which is, okay, when I die, which hopefully is going to be <laughs> in a long time, but when I die, will I regret doing it? this or not doing it. And, and usually I can tell you that's a very good indication of uh, what, what you should or you shouldn't do. And that was a very good indication for me to, to start World Ventures. Um, and the second thing, uh, which also is, is, is quite <laughs> well known, is to have grit and resilience because things are always way more complicated, way more difficult, way more costly uh, at many levels. Uh, than what you think they, they would be. So you need to dream big, but you need to also have the grit and the resilience to make it happen. That, that, that immediately clicked with me. That's, that's the advice my founder and uh, CEO, Jonathan, at Kirax. First two things I've learned when I, when I first got on board is like, we have this incredible world map of like, okay, we've, we've took over Canada, next is this, and then we're going to do this. And to just, I guess, stay resilient, right? 
Yeah, you just need to remind yourself of that every day. That's the thing. We know it, but you, we just need to remember every day, okay, well, tomorrow is another day and we're going to fight another day. Peggy, thank you. Thank you so, so much for thank sitting down with me today. I know today's definitely not the <laughs> best day for both of us, but we did it. I think we did incredible. Thank you so much. I can't wait to have you again. <laughs> thank you so much, Renzil. Have a fantastic day. You too. Take care. You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.